Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Romans 8, 22 through 39. Listen for what God is saying to you. We know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains up until now. And it's not only the creation. We ourselves, who have the spirit as the first crop of the harvest, also groan inside as we wait to be adopted and for our bodies to be set free. We are saved in hope. If we see what we hope for, that isn't hope. Who hopes for what they already see? But if we hope for what we don't see, we will wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit comes to help our weakness. We don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit himself pleads our case with unexpressed groans. The one who searches hearts knows how the Spirit thinks because he pleads for the saints, consistent with God's will. We know that God works all things together for good for the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. We know this because God knew them in advance, and he decided in advance that they would be conformed to the image of his son. That way, his son would be the first of many brothers and sisters. Those who God decided in advance would be conformed to his son, he also called. Those whom he called, he also made righteous. Those who he made righteous, he also glorified. So what are we going to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also freely give us all things with him? Who will bring a charge against God's elected people? It is God who acquits them. Who is going to convict them? It is Christ Jesus who died, even more who was raised, and who is also at God's right side. It is Christ Jesus who also pleads our case for us. Who will separate us from Christ's love? We will be separated by trouble, or distress, or harassment, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or the sword. As it is written, we are being put to death all day long for your sake. We are treated like sheep for slaughter. But in all these things, we will win a sweeping victory through the one who loved us. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or depth or any other thing that is created. May God add a blessing to the hearing and living out of this scripture. Amen. Thanks, Kate, and to everyone who um, helps us be who we are. 
um, certainly on Sunday mornings, but on the days in between as well. My name is Emily McGinley, and I have the great joy of serving as the pastor here at UBC Hyde Park Woodlawn, and I'm so grateful to be able to worship with you this morning. Let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the gift that it is to come together on chilly days and to wonder at the changing of your seasons, to be able to live life together throughout those seasons and experience the ways that your spirit shows up, guiding us, leading us, challenging us, and comforting us. And so however we find ourselves um, arriving this morning, we we pray that your spirit would do the work that only she can do through our hearts toward greater fullness and wholeness of life, not just for ourselves, but on behalf of this world that you so deeply love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, uh, if you came here, you may have seen a sign on the doors, uh, but if you uh, traveled somewhere else, uh, to Oakwood Beach, you would know that uh, folks from across the city gathered at the uh, edge of Lake Michigan for an all-site worship. And if you were there, you might have seen a familiar sight. Drew walking up with four people in tow, Anne-Marie, Adam, Joshua, and Isaiah, And if you've been around Hyde Park Woodlawn over this past year, you might know that the boys, Adam, Joshua, and Isaiah, came into Drew's life as foster children with the likelihood that they would be adopted. And as many of us saw over the course of this past year, Drew poured out all the love and care he had to give into those boys. And so it was especially painful when a few weeks ago the judge ruled against adoption. An uncle had agreed to take them in, and because it's always the goal of the system to reunite children with their family, this was where the decision landed. And so with a broken heart, Drew packed up the boys' belongings, every gift, every article of clothing, every shoe and toy, a tall tower of boxes standing in the entryway, waiting to be transported to their new home. Their uncle wasn't quite ready to take them in on the agreed-upon date, and so instead of spending last weekend in their new home, they came to Oakwood Beach. And for those of us uh, who have loved those boys and, and have watched this unfold, our hearts were breaking on Drew's behalf. You can't help but wonder, ask, pray for some kind of explanation to help it all somehow make sense. Everything happens for a reason, we say to ourselves, to each other, hoping that it's true. Everything happens for a reason. God won't give you more than you can handle. Love the sinner, hate the sin. These are just some of the Christian cliches that we'll be unpacking over the next few weeks at UBC in our new sermon series, The Bible Doesn't Tell Me So. We'll be focusing on sayings that are so commonly quoted in Christian spaces that some folks end up confusing them with actual scripture. These phrases are often well-intentioned, but they only tell half the story of what it means to faithfully follow Jesus. Even worse, they can end up actually cutting off questions and discouraging critical thinking. And we know that at Urban Village, a living faith invites questions, that it challenges us to grapple deeply with the complex realities that we face as people of faith living in the world. In our passage today, the Apostle Paul is trying to do just that, invite people to dig into the complex realities of being a person of hope in a time that seems to offer very little of it. Up until this point, he's been giving the Christian Church of Rome a kind of crash course on the history of God's work in the world and relationship with humanity, from Abraham to Moses to Jesus. Paul weaves this thread through God's special relationship with Israel and the promises that Israel made to God and all the ways that they continually failed to live up to them. Basically, Paul explains, it wasn't working. 
And like compound interest on your credit card, you all know what I'm talking about, all it did was put people in a spiral of debt and despair. This is not what God had in mind. This is not what God had in mind. And so enter Jesus, who resets the balance on our relationship with God. No longer was it a matter of living up to the standard or failing the standard. No more was it about getting everything right or being cast out forever. No, instead it was about liberation and what that liberation gives us access to. In the midst of a world that is groaning with pain, there is another groaning that's happening. It is the groaning of the Spirit who interprets our deepest needs and anguish. The thing that the things that turn with such ache inside of us, language fails. In this groaning, it isn't only about my individual prayer, that God is not just intentional for my sake, right, um, and, and what my particular need is, because the Spirit understands and intercedes with a wisdom that grasps the broader spiritual battle that's taking place. Oh Lord, why did I get turned down, passed over, set aside in favor of someone else, may be tied to bigger questions around unequal access to education or networks. When will my body be restored to full wellness? Could be about the kind of health care that you can receive or the cost of nutritious foods or even the ability to reasonably travel to get those nutritious foods. God, why did you send me three children only to have them taken away? Could be about fractured families and legal systems that try to make the best call. There are countless prayers ascending, and the Spirit understands that the pain of the individual is tied to a collective spiritual and physical reality. So she intercedes and gives shape to our prayers, that they might come together in a way that bends our world, not unlike uh, the way that Dr. King talked about uh, the moral arc of the universe, that, that sort of bends our world in the direction of wholeness of life for all. Because, and you've heard me say this before many times, because wholeness of life for all is God's ultimate vision. And this is where we can circle back to that good old saying, everything happens for a reason. Yes and no. One take is that, yes, everything happens for a reason. And sometimes that reason is that you made a bad decision, right? <laughs> Frankly, we've all got examples of that we could point to in our life, right? <laughs> but as Christians, as people of faith, the investigation to this question leads us to a big theological word that has for centuries now pitted the Methodist movement in which I currently minister against the Presbyterian tradition in which I am ordained. And that's a roundabout way of talking about this big word called predestination. <laughs> Now, I could spill all the tea about the ways that folks, seemingly respectable people, have really used this debate as a bludgeon to effectively tell people that they're going to hell, right? But that's not the kind of predestination I'm going to talk about right now. And I don't think that's exactly what Paul is talking about. What Paul means in this moment, when he's talking about how God predestined people to be conformed to the image of Jesus, what he means is that God has an intention and a purpose, a direction for which all of creation is destined. And so for that reason, all things are oriented for the good of those who love God and are called to God's work. Not necessarily because they are better than anyone else, but because the kind of people who love God and are called to good works, who respond to that call to good works, are the very same kind of people who are dedicating themselves to carry forward the movement that Jesus started. These are the folks who are committed to partnering with God in God's vision of wholeness of life for all. Let me put it another way. Everything happens for a reason, but here's what that means. 
All of creation is groaning and suffering with labor pains to birth a thing. And that thing being birthed in a world in which is, is being birthed is a world in which broken relationships and broken bodies and broken systems are no longer a reality. It's an existence where all of creation is set free to flourish fully, not at the expense of another, but because of one another. It's a world where you are not taught to hate yourself or assume that everything and everyone is at your disposal. It's a world where water isn't filled with lead and children like Laquan McDonald aren't pumped full of lead by those who have been charged to protect and serve. But this world, it doesn't happen on its own. The labor is long and it is difficult. And this labor is ours. It is the labor of people who have responded to God's call to love deeply and are willing to put their bodies and lives on the line to see that love through. Last year, throughout our anti-racism sermon series, during the service, many of you will remember that there was a moment when we engaged in a practice of corporate confession. And as we did this, we took a knee. And one aspect of this was because kneeling is a practice of prayer in the Christian tradition. But the timing of it had an even deeper meaning. It was football season. And a quarterback named Colin Kaepernick was taking the same posture on the field during the national anthem. It was, as most of us know, a protest against police brutality of black and brown lives. And the fire that Kaepernick was put under was intense. It was in that gesture, a simple kneeling down, that a growing social fault line was cracked wide open. Following the season, Kaepernick, in spite of his strong leadership on the field, in spite of his excellent record and all the football things that I don't really know about, in spite of all of that, curiously, he was not drafted by one team in the NFL. He has been extraordinarily reserved. He hasn't given any interviews or spoken at length about his actions. He's given a few words here and there. Until this past month, and two things happened. The first thing that happened was that he was named Amnesty International's Ambassador of Conscience. And the second thing I guess everyone here knows at this point, right, is that he picked up brand endorsement from Nike. The slogan says, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. So here's the thing with this whole story about Colin Kaepernick, a story that has not yet reached its conclusion. Here's the thing. When Kaepernick kneeled last fall, he had no idea of what would happen, right? All he knew was that he was getting eaten up inside by what was happening out in the streets. And that pain and the, the deep love that that pain came from, it demanded something of him. And so he kneeled. And it's this love, this undergirding love, this, that, that is important for us to understand. I have realized that our love that sometimes manifests itself as black rage is a beautiful form of defiance against the system that seeks to suppress our humanity, a system that wants us to hate ourselves. But I remind you, it is love that is at the root of our resistance. Our love is not an individualized love. It is a collective love. A collective love that is constantly combating forms of racialized hate. Chattel slavery, Jim Crow, new Jim Crow, massive plantations, mass incarceration, slave patrols, police patrols. We as a collective 
since the colonization of the Americas have been combating collective forms of systemic racialized hate and oppression. But I am hopeful. I am inspired. This is why we have to protest. This is why we are so passionate. We protest because we love ourselves and we love our people. It was James Baldwin who said, to be black in America and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time. My question is, why aren't all people? How can you stand for the national anthem of a nation that preaches and propagates freedom and justice for all that is so unjust to so many of the people living there? How can you not be in a rage when you know that you are always at risk of death in the streets or enslavement in the prison system? How can you willingly be blind to the truth of systemic racialized injustice? When Malcolm X said, I'm for truth, no matter who tells it. I'm for justice, no matter who it's for or against. I'm a human being first and foremost. And as such, I'm for whoever and whatever benefits humanity as a whole. I took that to heart. While taking a knee is a physical display that challenges the merits of who is excluded from the notion of freedom, liberty, and justice for all, the protest is also rooted in a convergence of my moralistic beliefs and my love for the people. Seeking the truth, finding the truth, telling the truth, and living the truth has been and always will be what guides my actions. For as long as I have a beating heart, I will continue to work on this path on behalf of the people. Again, love is at the root of our resistance. I have realized that our love. Now, I don't know if Colin Kaepernick is a person of faith, but when I heard this speech, which I'd encourage you to re listen to the whole thing, it's only seven minutes long, I knew that he understood and was putting, willing to put himself on the line in a way that many Christians are afraid to do. He believed in something, even if it meant sacrificing everything. This is what it means to be, as Paul put it, conformed to the image of Christ. Last year, Kaepernick didn't know what this year would look like. All he knew was that he had to do something. And when he got no calls during the draft, someone may have well said to him, Hey, buddy, everything happens for a reason. When Drew heard that ruling of the court, maybe someone texted him and said, Everything happens for a reason. The truth is, when you open yourself to the pain of this world, just like Jesus, you better believe you're going to taste it, yes. just like Jesus. Yes. But, like Jesus too, you also get to catch a glimpse of the world that God is birthing. After all, it's being birthed through you. So if you were at our outdoor service last week, you would know that there was an opportunity for folks to be baptized, to remember or remember their baptism. And the pastoral leaders stood at the edge of Lake Michigan to receive long lines of people who approached us. And we ended up celebrating five baptisms. Now, a couple of these folks we were expecting, but there were three that were unexpected. Two men approached Christian Kuhn, our South Loop um, pastor, and, and he baptized them. And then shortly after that, another person came forward. I want to be baptized, he said. Chris didn't know him, and since he was young, he said, do your parents know? 
So they went away and came back with Drew. What's your name? Christian asked. Joshua, he responded. And then, standing on either side of him, Christian and Drew dipped Joshua back into the water three times. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you feel an ache in your spirit? Do you feel the gap between the way things are and the way things ought to be? Now, the boys are still intended to move in with their uncle someday. Colin Kaepernick still isn't playing professional football. But the Spirit is doing something, don't you think? With these efforts, large and small, to birth something that feels like wholeness of life into the world, into this broken world. Whether we have been afflicted with all the things that life could throw at us, illness, unemployment, depression, whether we are choosing to stand up and step out courageously for the sake of love, how we respond, what we do to navigate our circumstances, this will determine whether or not something is happening for a reason. Maybe a better way to put it is everything can happen for a reason. And for us, as Christians who love in the way of Jesus and, and want to do that more, we are called to love this world, and we must remember that we have nothing to fear when we do so. Paul reminds us, who can separate us from Christ's love? Will we be separated by trouble or distress or harassment or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the extravagant, abundant love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we rest and trust in one with power such as our God, whose love for us is so unapologetically abundant, we can know without a doubt that whatever happens, whatever life throws our way, we are sustained by a powerful source of love that gives us the courage to respond with courageous love. Maybe everything happens for a reason, but I don't think that reason is the point. Everything happens, and God loves us, and God calls us to God's good purposes in this world. So let's fix our eyes on that and see what comes forth when we step out with courage and with love. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that you showed us a love like none other in your son Jesus. And we give you thanks for those who are willing to step out and courage in the legacy of that love, whether they know it or not, to increase your work of life in this world. Help us to be people of courageous love in whatever way and whatever space you call us to, that this world might not only be inspired, but made more whole by our willingness to risk all for you. We give you thanks for the privilege to participate with you in that work, and we ask for encouragement when it feels like we can go no further. And help us to remember 
that while everything may or may not happen for a reason, that above all and through all and within all, you love us with a fierce love that will not let us go no matter what. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.